I, uh, I'm in awe of what the Lord is doing. And sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes we're not always completely aware. You know, sometimes there's points of we thought God was moving one way and it doesn't work out that way. And you're saying, God, what happened? But he's always at work. Nothing takes him by surprise. And um, I think all that does is, is should give us time to reflect, say, all right, God, help me to hear you more clearly. Help me to understand better. And um, I think it's sort of a great segue today as this is Palm Sunday. <clears throat> Historically, uh, in, in our Christian tradition, it's Palm Sunday. It's the triumphal entry. We remember the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. <clears throat> which was prophesied long before in Zechariah 9.9. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So I want to take a few minutes to kind of talk about this this is historically also known as uh, Passion Week. This is the week where it starts out in a, this triumphal entry into Jerusalem, ends up on Friday with the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, and then when all seems lost, he rises from the dead, right? And... Uh, because he lives, we live also. Now, we know the end of the story, so we rejoice. <clears throat> and it's awesome, but they didn't fully get it. You know, they had different ideas, preconceptions, a sense of what it would mean, what it meant to establish the kingdom of God on earth. You know, they had a certain eschatology, if you will. And it didn't always work out the way they expected. And... Um, I dare say it's a similar time. I think people look around and they're confused and they, 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 they had certain expectations, things didn't work out. But I want to tell you that God is in control. He's on the throne. And I really do believe we're at the precipice of a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's very important and incumbent upon you and I to start to prepare our hearts to participate in that. And... Uh, I'll touch on that a little bit more. Turn with me to Matthew 21. I'm just going to uh, start there. And just so you know, I'm going to jump over to the story in John 12. It's the same. You know, most of the Gospels spend a good deal of time talking about the last week of Jesus' life. You know, it's not completely. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Very considerate. You might hear a little rasping in my voice. I don't know why. Probably too much coffee. Um, <laughs> so anyway, there's a, a great deal of emphasis in the Gospels on the last week of Jesus' life. And I just mean that in terms of uh, the amount written. You know, the Gospels spend a lot of time on the last week of Jesus' life because really that's the most important point. It's the culmination of his ministry. It's the, 
the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection, which are the foundations of our faith. Okay, so let's look at uh, Matthew 21, uh, verses, <clears throat> beginning of verse 1. I'm just going to kind of read the beginning. I, I want to read from Matthew because I think it gives a little more detail, and I want to jump into John because I think John gives some insights um, that aren't all weren't picked up necessarily in the other Gospels. All right, Matthew 21, beginning of verse 1. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, and they came to Bethpage, this is the one at Mount of Olives, not in Long Island, just so you're clear. <laughs> then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied <clears throat> and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fall of a donkey. So we just read that in Zechariah 9.9. Matthew's referencing the fulfillment of a prophetic word given hundreds of years before. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them and set, and, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. All right, let's just jump over to John 12. I want to pick up from there. John 12, beginning at verse 12. The next day, a great multitude had come to the feast. This was the feast of the Passover. It was so fitting that this was the week when Jesus would be betrayed, turned over to the Romans for crucifixion, because he would be the ultimate Passover lamb. So, the next day, a great multitude, they had come to the feast, like I said, the feast of Passover. When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches and palm trees. That's why this is known as Palm Sunday. Palm trees and went out to meet him. And they cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Can you just highlight that in your Bible, just flash on it, you know, pick a color, highlight that, good, thank you. The king of Israel. Then Jesus, when he heard, when he found the young donkey, sat on it as it is written. And he quotes the scripture again, fear not, <clears throat> daughter of Zion, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things were written about him. And that they had done these things to him. They were fulfilling prophetic words that they had no idea about. But they would be brought to remembrance. Therefore, the people who were with him, now this is amazing. Therefore, the people that were, who were with him, when he called... Okay, the people who were with him when he called with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead 
bore witness. What does that mean? The people that were with him when he raised Lazarus from the dead bore witness. What were they, what were they doing? They were testifying that they were there when Lazarus was raised from the dead, and who were they telling? Everybody gathered. This is the one. I was there. Lazarus was dead. He was three days in the grave. Jesus told him, move the stone, roll the stone away. And Mary said, oh, my Lord, he's, by now he stinks. He's been in there three days. It's a dead body. Don't do that. It'll be embarrassing. What did Jesus say? Did I not tell you? Right? Did I not tell you, you know, that you would uh, talked about that you, you'd see the resurrection? <clears throat> not quoting it exactly right. And, and Mary says, well, yeah, I know on the last day we'll be raised up. And he says, no, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life. So they roll the stone away, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And then Lazarus comes wobbling out of the, the tomb because he's all wrapped up. And Jesus says, loose him from the grave clothes. And now this word is going out everywhere. So when Jesus is entering Jerusalem, everybody's talking about that. And they're saying, this is the one. He raised Lazarus from the dead. They bore witness. Why do we do testimonies? We have our testimony of the week. Because the testimony of what Jesus has done is the spirit of prophecy. And when you release the testimony, it releases faith in the room for multiplication to happen. What he's done before, he'll do it again. When you testify, it builds faith. And those who are in similar situations, faith will be released into their hearts and they'll see miracles. It's very important that we keep our testimony. The Bible says they overcame the evil one by the, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. It's so important that we give testimony to what Christ has done. Listen, there's a spirit in the world. It's called the spirit of antichrist that's trying to shut up your testimony. Don't mention Jesus. Don't identify with the scriptures. Don't identify as a Christian. Just be quiet. Just be quiet. But it's our testimony that releases the overcoming power. It is so important that we identify with Christ. Take the reproach. Take your share. <clears throat> How many admire David? How many admire David? Come on. <laughs> really? How come not, like, not every hand in the room? I, David's okay, just I don't want his experience. <laughs> Give me his victory, but I don't want his experience. Okay, you can't have one without the other. You know, all it, all it, all the stories in the Bible were stories of resistance and overcoming. You know, if it's Samson, if it's uh, David, if it's Joseph, you know, Jesus, um, they're faced with challenge and they overcome. I know we all want it easy. <laughs> Me too. But there's the real victory, the real growth comes against resistance. You know, if you go to a gym, right, and you just 
lift feathers, you will not see like a whole lot of results. Okay, but if you start put adding weight and increasing the weight and working the muscles, you will see a, a change. Your body actually changes. It becomes, you know, your muscles may get bigger, firm, more defined, <coughs> etc. But but it's because it's resistance. There's something about walking, you know, walking against the resistance of the times and you'll see the results. Your faith will grow in the face of resistance. Now, you know, I, I look around the world right now, and I say, oh my God, God, what's happening? Sometimes it's like the onslaughts, and you see legislation, you see different things. You know, I think Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. You know, the, the church actually does best in the face of resistance. I mean, I like it easy. I like every law to be pro-Christians, like Christians are the best. Let them do what they want. No, but it's not that way. <clears throat> and we're going to be challenged. <clears throat> but here's the reality. is When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Your testimony <clears throat> is going to be greater the greater the resistance, the greater the challenge. I've said this before. If Goliath was a midget, <clears throat> David wouldn't have gotten the acclaim. But because Goliath was a giant and everybody trembled in their boots at the challenge, when David, who is a teenage boy, not even able to, like, step into the armor of Saul... When he took him down, David's testimony grew, and God was able to use him. So I, I do. I, I kind of feel like we're in it. We're in. We're in that kind of stage, where challenges are going to grow. But stay near to the Lord because He's going to take you through, and your testimony is going to be greater. Okay, let's go back to the scripture. We're in John 12. Okay, therefore the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb raised him from the dead. They were bearing witness that this is the one. And for this reason, the people also met with him because they heard that he had done this sign. So word had spread about Lazarus. People were actually giving testimony. I want to see this person, this, this man who raised people from the dead, and it was spreading all over about Lazarus and who Jesus was. And then the Pharisees, therefore, they said among themselves, you see that you're accomplishing nothing. They're talking amongst themselves, saying, you lawyers, you're always going and questioning him, trying to trap him in his words, but it's, it's not working. Your plan isn't working. We have to do something more drastic to stop him. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Okay, so that's the backdrop. I find verse 20 interesting. It says, now there were certain Greeks among those who had come up to worship at the feast. Okay, this is the feast of the Passover. Certain Greeks had come to Jerusalem to worship. I take it that they were, were Jewish believers, but they probably resided where? 
a hint, the text gives you some clues. Certain Greeks, probably from Greece, thank you. <laughs> okay, so to travel from Greece to Jerusalem in those days, you know, they probably didn't have paid time off, catch a flight, you know, from Athens over to Jerusalem. No, it was a journey. They had to leave their businesses, their work. So they were probably fairly well off. Okay, in order to make the journey, the pilgrimage from, from Greece to Jerusalem for the Passover, they were probably pretty well healed, <clears throat> meaning they had money. Okay, so now there were certain Greeks among them who came to worship at the feast. So they went to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and they asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. We want to meet with him. Philip saying, oh, all right. So he went and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. So what do you think the expectation is? Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. They're saying, hail, you know, he's uh, the king of Israel. They're laying palms down, Hosanna to him who comes in the name of the Lord. Even the Pharisees are saying, oh, my goodness, the whole world's gone after him. Everything you've tried to do to stop this guy, nothing's working. And then some well-heeled, some rich people are coming around saying, you know, uh, we recognize what's going on here. You know, he's got the crowds with him. You know, we can, we can bankroll this, and maybe we can make something happen now. And uh, Philip, because his disciples were expecting the establishment of the kingdom when? Now. They kept asking, now will you establish the kingdom? He's like, well, not now. <clears throat> and he, he would tell them what he's about to happen, but they, they never really got it. I think it partly is because the, this was a mystery hidden. You know, the Bible says that had the devil understood what was about to happen, he would have never crucified the Lord of glory. But this was a mystery hidden in the scriptures, kind of hidden in plain view. It was spoken about, prophesied about, but people didn't comprehend it. And so Philip and Andrew come and they tell Jesus, these people want to meet with you. They're, you know, they're from Greece. They're, they've been traveling here. They're probably... Again, well off. They, we're going to do this thing. We're going we're gonna to rally all these people that are gathering around. We can establish the kingdom. We can restore. In their minds, the kingdom of David, the kingdom of Solomon was when Israel had its glory. And that's kind of what they had in mind. But Jesus looks at them. Okay, here we go. All right. <clears throat> but Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Philip and Andrew saying, yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. Let's do this thing. And then he says, most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies... It remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. I think at this point, Philip and Andrew are like turning their heads like, huh? What do you mean? He who loves his life will lose it. 
He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, my servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. Jesus was never moved by worldly passions, desires. Like, I think the same temptation that we have, that we we, I see it in, in our circles sometimes is, and I'm all for being salt and light and influence in all the different spheres of society. I've talked about that. But there is going to be a conflict throughout the ages. And I think good and evil are going to be more, the contrast is going to get more and more um, pronounced, more and more obvious. How many follow basketball, NCAA tournament? How many saw ORU, got to the Sweet 16? They lost, I think, to Arkansas by a point. How many saw the article in USA Today saying ORU should be disqualified? They shouldn't even be allowed in the tournament. How come? They have this archaic belief that marriage should be between a man and a woman. They have this archaic belief that uh, sexual union should be kept within the confines of a, a covenantal marriage and that you, you shouldn't just fornicate <laughs> with whoever you feel like fornicating with. They have or archaic beliefs about sexuality. This was in USA Today. The contrast, what we hold as truth, what we our basic beliefs are being challenged in mainstream media. And those who identify like institutionally like an evangelical college are being said, you shouldn't even be allowed to participate in a basketball tournament. Now, the president of Wheaton College, another Christian college, wrote a rebuttal to that. You should look at it. And I say this to say you need to be aware of the times we're living in, where we're being challenged. And um, I do think where, in one sense, it's, you know, it's a, it's a little disconcerting. In another sense, it's like God is about to move. Because it's, it's in these times of challenge, it's in these times of pushback when it, the church actually thrives. Because you're not going to be able to be a lukewarm Christian in the midst of this kind of pressure. Like, if, if you're just with Christianity, because it's kind of cool, you know, I, you know I, whoever it is, you know, it's not going to be so cool. And, and if you really believe that, it's going to be challenging to, you know, where you're going. So God is, is, is causing a, a separation, and it's important that we, we just we stay close to him. You know, we're obedient. It's, you know, our obedience, because I really believe, like, in the midst of this, this is where the revival's coming. 
This is where the outpouring of the Holy Spirit's coming. It, the church is going to thrive in, 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 in the midst of opposition. That's how the church has always thrived. But here's the thing. Jesus, in the story I just read, was faced with the same temptation that Satan came to him when he was on his 40-day fast in the wilderness before he started his ministry. One of the temptations was, you know, he, he took him to a high point and he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth. And it says, all these I'll give to you if you'll bow down and worship me. Jesus responded, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. But it doesn't mean that that temptation, just because you resisted and overcame a temptation once, doesn't mean that temptation won't come back to try you again. Don't think your, your one victory seals the deal forever. You have to hold fast the whole journey, start to finish. You know, if you don't quit, you win. But you got to stay. It's the long haul. You know, we have to be the distance runners. So Jesus, even here, is tempted with this kingdom thing. Like, we can establish a kingdom. And he's like, no, I, for this purpose I came into the world, to go to that cross. Unless a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it's going to remain alone. <clears throat> he who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world. In other words, you have to have, we, whoever sets their eyes on heaven, that's where our ultimate goal is. What happens here, you know, it, our decisions are determined by where we're, we're going with the Lord. If anyone serves me, follow me. And this is, this is so important. Follow me. Follow the Holy Spirit. It's so important that we be quick to listen, slow to speak, especially on social media. Quick to Hear what's being said. Don't feel like you have to respond. Jesus rarely responded when challenged. When they'd come with him, challenge him with a question, he'd often answer with a question. You know, They said, by what authority do you do these things? He said, okay, I'll tell you by what authority I do this if you, if you answer my question. The baptism of John, was it of God or was it of men? They said, well, if we said it's of God, all the people thought John was a prophet, they'll, they'll stone us. Let's not say that. If we say it's of God, they'll say, why, how come you didn't get baptized? <laughs> all right, we'll just talk. I, we don't know. Look, I, I'm not answering your question either. <laughs> I mean, it's this kind of wisdom that we're going to need that you're going to be faced with direct questions. You're going to be faced with binary questions. Say yes or no so that we can classify you as a hater or you're one of us. You know, because they want to they put you in a box. And you need the wisdom of God not to answer their binary questions, but to, to, to say, God, how do I respond to these things? My wife and I have been, uh, we've been watching some YouTube videos on Evan Roberts and the Welsh Revival. And they were... Four things that he pointed out that were necessary if people wanted to experience the deeper infilling baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I think it was more than that. It was there's an anointing coming. There's a revival coming. And if we want to participate in that, I think it's important for the people in this room, including myself, that we start to prepare our hearts. And I want to read the four things that Evan Roberts pointed out. 
obtain full and complete pardon for the sins of the past. In other words, make sure you've confessed all your sin. If you're still dealing with some besetting sins, listen, in a room like this, I know, look, I've walked with the Lord for like over 30 years. There's been besetting sins in my life. But we need, all of us need to deal with those things and bring them to the cross. Turn away. That's called repenting and getting victory. So if there's any lingering things that maybe you've excused, let's get it under the blood. Let's say no more. You know, if you need help, like we're here to help one another, to, to stand with each other, not to condemn each other. You know, and if, if, if you're struggling and you haven't been able to do it on your own and, you, and you're afraid to tell anyone because of shame, that's a trap of the enemy. Come out from underneath that. Talk to others. Get help. Overcome. Let's get it all under the blood. Remove anything doubtful from your heart, any doubtful habits, any cynicism where you don't think God will move. It's time for us to believe God for what he said. If he said it, that's it. I believe it. I'm standing in faith. You know, he said we're going to greater works than Jesus did. We're going to do because he sits at the right hand of the Father now and he's given us the Holy Spirit. That means we're going to lay hands on the sick. That means we're going to move in words of knowledge, words of prophecy, you know, uh, miracles. Let's, let's, let's not walk in doubt. Let's, let's believe. He's in the room. You know, I, I got up this morning. I just felt like he is in the room. Like, let's act like he's right in front of us. Like, he really is. <clears throat> Number three, complete and immediate obedience to the Holy Spirit. Whatsoever he says, do it. Resist not the Spirit. Now, this, to me, this was the highlight of the three things. The fourth one is public and personal confession of Christ. Like, we need to be publicly as well as personally devoted to the Lord. Like, we can't hide who we are. It's important we're identified with him. It's, um, it's just important, right? If, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before the Father. If you confess me before man, I'll confess you before the Father. We can't be ashamed of the gospel. Okay, but I want to go back to number three. Complete and immediate obedience to the Holy Spirit. Whatever he says, do it. Resist not the Spirit. So in the testimony or in the, sh the stories, there was a, a group of uh, young people who were traveling with, with Evan Roberts at the time. He was, he was very instrumental in the whole Welsh revival. And there was one young woman who, um, you know, when the Holy Spirit would fall, he noticed like, it, it, it didn't impact her in the same way as others. So at one point, I think very gently, he, he, he asked her, like, is, you know, about it. <clears throat> and he said to her, is there any way that you haven't been, any, any area where you're not being obedient to the Holy Spirit? And she said, well, I, I really don't think so. You know, there's no known sin in my life. I'm not, you know, I love the Lord. And, uh, and then she was kind of searching her heart, and she said, you know, I think she was part of the, the choir or the, his quartet or something singing. There are times when I have felt the Holy Spirit saying, sing out this chorus. And I said to myself, I don't want to draw attention to me. 
you know, it's kind of out of order. It's not exactly like I'm just going to spontaneously start singing something. And, um, you know, no, no, because it's, and so she dismissed it because, like, she didn't want to draw attention to herself. Sounds, oh, that sounds humble. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. Like, she really didn't want, like, I don't want to be like, oh, look at me, I'm singing out now. And, and that could be a real thing. You have to check your heart. What, what's, what's your motivation? But if the Holy Spirit is prompting you in something as simple as, what, I want you to sing out right now, but it's not on the program sheet, Lord. <laughs> you know, they have an order. Here you sing, now we preach. Um, <clears throat> no, I want you to sing. So she tells Evan Roberts that, and he says, that's it. You've grieved the Holy Spirit in this area. You see, and, and I say that to say, many times when I, I've been led of the Spirit, it's just, it's kind of easy to dismiss because it's a still small voice. It's a gentle prompting. I could say, nah, that's me, no, me. you know. You can dismiss it, but if you start to say yes to that, it's subtle. People who have moved in words of knowledge or, no, it's, it's subtle. And you could dismiss it if you start getting into the natural thinking, like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, I don't know anything about this person's history. I'm going to tell them X, Y, Z. <laughs> but when you step out and reveal things like, like that, if it's a word of knowledge, <clears throat> you, you start to develop a hearing ear. And, and God's not afraid of you, like, stepping out to do something positive for him. Even if you stumble and fall, I think he, he comes behind us and he encourages us. And then we, the more you use a gift, the more you develop <coughs> the gift. So, her, her, so because she wasn't being obedient to that still small voice, you know, she had quenched the Holy Spirit. I, it's going to be very important for us to be very obedient as we go forward to the still small voice of the Lord. Very important that the subtle promptings of the Holy Spirit we go with. This is going to be for your protection. It's going to be for your provision. It's going to be for everything. God is going to make a way. But it's important, and, and here... It, you have to, you will develop it. Things, there's a law, there's the law of use. The more you use something, the more you get proficient with it or at it. You know, the more you lift weights, you see more changes. If you do it once and never again, you don't see the results. But the law of use says the more you do something, the more you get proficient with it. The more you say yes and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, the more you'll be in tune to what he's saying. But when you say, but when you don't, you kind of start to, you get dull. So listen, let's put the past behind us. Don't worry about where you may have missed it before, but we're going forward from here. From today, we're saying yes to whatever the Holy Spirit says. Now, <clears throat> with that, turn with me to Psalm 69. How many admire David? Okay, well, a few more this time. That's good. 
Me too. Bible talks more about David than a lot of other people. It says he was a man after God's own heart. Why? Was it because David was perfect? Well, if you read your Bible, you know that's not true. <laughs> but what was he was quick to repent. He knew the mercies of God. He, he, was, he was quick to say, okay, God, I messed up. Forgive me. And he'd seek him. Anyway, Psalm 69, beginning at verse 7. Let's read it. Because for your sake, I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children, his own family. Didn't understand them. Why? Because zeal for your house has eaten me up. And the reproaches of those who reproach you, they've actually fallen on me. Listen, I, I, I want what David had. I want to follow the Lord with all my heart. I want to see signs, wonders, miracles. But it's, I, I want to see revival. But make no mistake about it. It's not going to be without some level of cost. There is a reproach. I talked about with Mary, Mary. Be it unto me according to your word, right? And then Joseph was like, Mary, you're pregnant. What is this? You tell me about an angel, Gabriel. I don't know anything about that. That makes no sense to me. And I'm, I'm, maybe I can just put you away privately. Mary's world seems like it's collapsing because she said yes to God. He redeemed it. But we don't realize the talk in the village, what was going on, it was a reproach because Mary said yes. David, David's saying in Psalm 69, the reproach, those who reproach you, God, that's, it's actually fallen on me. They're, not, they're, not, they're focused on the fact that I love, that I'm zealous for, your, for the things of you. <clears throat> I really believe we're moving into a time when there's going to be more challenge, more things, but the more we say yes to God, the more we're obedient, we're going to see the miracle working power of God. We're going to see his provision. Uh, we're going to see his miracles. We're, we're going to see all these things. We're going to see resurrection power. But it, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be just the world is going to say, you guys are amazing. <laughs> there will be those who will be, this is God, and many will get saved. I think there will be great multitudes swept into the kingdom. I really do believe we're moving into that time and that hour. But let's prepare our hearts. <clears throat> let's, let's do the four things that Evan Roberts said. Let's make sure that there's no known sin in our lives, that let's confess it all. Let's bring it under the blood. Let's, let's turn away from that stuff. Let's not have, doubt, have a doubtful heart, number two, any or doubtful habits or cynicism that, you know, God is not going to move. Let's remove doubt from us. Complete in immediate obedience to the Holy Spirit, no matter whatsoever he says. Do it. Let's not resist the Spirit. It may not feel like it's going to be stepping out of your comfort zone. Go over to that person and ask them about, you know, their sick child at home. I don't even know if that person has a child. <laughs> you know, and, but you step out and you share 
and it opens up the door because it unlocks the secrets of men's hearts. And what if they don't? Well, what have you lost? <laughs> you know, it, what have you lost? Let's not, we're so concerned about how we may appear before even strangers, you know? And David in Psalm 69 says, like even my own family, my brothers, those of, you know, my, my mother's children, like they're not with me. <laughs> Because the zeal of your house has eaten me up. Okay, I'm going to, the fourth thing was public and personal confession of Christ. We need to be identified with Christ. And listen, I say that knowing that we're living in times, we have, we've been blessed in this country, and I hope it continues. But there's things happening where to, be, to name the name of Christ, to be identified as a Bible-believing Christian, Look up the article in USA Today, ORU, <clears throat> NCAA tournament, and read it and see the things they're saying about what you and I believe. Not good. And I just say that, not, I'm not trying to put fear in anybody's heart. I'm just, Jesus is coming. You know, like we want an outpouring. And listen, it's not the end. I, I feel like people have a misbegotten eschatology about some things. Jesus said, unless those days were shortened, no, no flesh would be saved alive. The days will be shortened. The planet will continue for a thousand years <laughs> when he returns. And, but, but everything will be under his lordship. So I, it, it's going to be good, but it's, it's not going to be super good, great, until Jesus returns. Because when he establishes his rule, it will be amazing. But in the meantime, there's going to be tension. <laughs> And you have to, we have to, we have to be, I really believe like we have to be the Daniels in Babylon, just so tuned into the, the wisdom of God that we're working right along alongside the magicians, the astrologers, the soothsayers, you know, and they're all offering their advice and counsel, but we're going to operate with a different wisdom and give the wisdom of God. And it's, it's going to show. All right, I'm going to close with Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> and ask the worship team to come up. It's important that we study the life of Christ. In Matthew 11, I said Philippians 2, but. I reserve the right to change. Verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden. That means all of you who are working really hard. All of you who are heavy laden or filled with anxiety, worries, fears, concerns. And he says, I will give you rest. Verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Most of us don't really understand what a yoke is. It's an agricultural term. When they put two oxen or something together so that they would walk in unity, it bound them together. It was a big, heavy, wooden thing that sat across both their necks. Jesus is saying, yoke yourself to me. And here's what I was saying before. This, this scripture in Galatians is as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Not as many as lead the Spirit of God. 
Gone are the days when we should be saying, God, I'm going to do this. Bless it. God will let you do whatever you want. Just, you know, you just ask his blessing. No. We're moving in submission. He's Lord. We're disciples. He leads. We follow. So now we say, God, show me and I'll do it. I'll go where you want me to go. God, I don't like this job. I want a new job. Just bless me with a new job. Say, God, where do you want me? Do you want me in a new job? Watch that. And listen, he'll speak to you. You're his children. He loves you. And as he leads you to be praying for a new job, then pray for a new job. But make sure you're listening to the Lord and not tell, just giving him your, your list. God, here's my list. As soon as you fill these out, you know, I'll, then we can move to the next stage. No, like, let's, let's put our priorities in order. Say, God, you lead, I'll follow. If you want me here because I'm supposed to learn something, because I'm supposed to move in submission, I have to learn humility in front of these people who are arrogant, okay. If I'm, I'll do whatever you want. Because you are Lord and I am your follower. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It's so important that we remain in that place of obedience. Let's yoke ourselves to Jesus and let him lead. Philippians 2, because Jesus did the same thing. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ. Let's have the same mindset. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. And taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of man, what did he do? He humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death. He humbled himself. He didn't say, no, God, I think I have a better plan cross is cool, but I think I can do this without that, and it would be less painful. I often have those plans. Let's do it the less painful way. God's working out a purpose. Let's say yes, even when it hurts. Listen, this is real. Let's say yes. He humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death. This is the mind that Christ had that we're also supposed to have. That we would humble ourselves even to the point of death. Even death on the cross. And because he did that, therefore, God has highly exalted him. Given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Everyone in the room, can we stand? If you're on Zoom or the internet or YouTube, stand. Stand. This is a holy moment. Holy Spirit, come. 
Lord, we want this mind, which the same mind that was in Christ. to be in us. God, we've received the adoption as sons and daughters. We know we belong to you. And now we want to make sure that we're walking in complete obedience. God, we want to get past the just not falling into besetting sins, but we want to move in obedience to your promptings of your spirit. God, when you say, go over and talk to that one, we'll go over and talk to that one. When you say, sing a song, God, I want to sing your songs. God, I don't want to be religious. I want to be obedient. Holy Spirit, all across this room, all over the internet, would you just come right now? Do what only you can do. Fill us with your spirit. God, give us a heart that says yes. Quick to obey. Slow to speak. Fully sold out to you. Jesus, come.